0: Everybody, welcome to the Midweek Podcast presented by Yoshimura. Uh, we're actually in uh, Whistler, BC, Canada. That's right. And uh, at the Crankworks uh, Mountain Bike Festival. And I'm joined today by Rob Salcedo of Liat. And uh, Rob, man, you and I have been uh, friends for a long time, dating back to, I think, were you at Fox or Shift initially? Fox. Fox, yep. right? Yep. And then it went to Shift. Yep. Dang been a long time long time man so how did you get into the uh moto industry
1: uh actually i started working at fox in 94 um just had a friend that was working there and he hit me up and was like hey they're hiring for some warehouse help Mm -hmm. for christmas like the christmas rush i was like all right cool and i went in and then i met the whole crew um working there you know fox family that john fox of course greg and pete um Anna, the daughter, and then Jeff, the founder, and his wife, Josie, and, and, you know, all the people working there in that time, Todd Hicks, Jason Mitchell, like all mm. these guys that were there for the a OG long time. The G crew. Exactly. And, yeah. and it just, it was awesome. Like, you know, hanging and it, we all kind of rode mountain bikes and just kind of hung out a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just came on and that year they kept two people to ke- come on to full time and it was me and one other guy.
0: Not, so so, wait. You start in the warehouse? Yeah, like like boxing gear Pick, and picking sending orders? orders.
1: Yep, picking orders and yeah, it was it was you know back in that back then the business was different, but yeah, you know it was a lot of um, I don't know if you remember, but Fox sold like wetsuits and life jackets and they were doing mm-hmm. all the um, watercraft stuff and yeah, so product line was was a lot different. They just started go, going into the mountain bike kind of space and um, mm-hmm. I, I was a mountain biker so. It was cool coming in and, and just kind of like you know obviously everyone knew the Fox brand and, and from Moto and coming into bike uh, or the bike line coming into um, in at that time it was it was cool I was helping you know I was riding and, and kind of helping with stuff here and there and mm-hmm. um, and then I think within the first year or so um, it was when the Fox uh, video department started to really expand the
0: chain smoke
1: yep so it was yeah. all
0: Taylor Kong did that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and so it was cool, obviously, being part of the brand during that kind of era, right? Um, but the guy, one of the guys I was really good friends with that was in our crew, Matt Story, was kind of doing video on the side, but he was the warranty manager, mm-hmm. like full time. So he was filming and coming, you know, going back and forth, doing all these trips. Um, so one day he just hit me up and was like, hey, I need an assistant. And at that time that was pretty kind of email even, was nobody really yeah. had email at that time. Yeah. So I literally would just sit there and open boxes, like people would send their warranty stuff back and I'd open boxes and they would write a letter and I'd like read it and like either exchange their product or I'd give it to him if he had to like call them. And I think maybe six months in or so, like he the video department was expanding. So he's like, hey, I'm going to video full time. Do you want to run the warranty department? I was like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I came on as the warranty manager, and my very first email address I ever had was a Fox email address. Really? Yep. And um, same thing, cell phone number, same number I still have, like, you know, first cell phone number really was a mm-hmm. Fox number. And, um, but I came in, and at that time, the company was so small, I think there was maybe 45 people in the whole company. Um, so Jeff Fox, the founder, was also like the IT guy. You know, before like we had like an IT department, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. if I had a problem, I would call Jeff, and he'd come over and like work on my computer. But I had like a a green screen Mac, mm-hmm. like a, you know that was like my work computer, very first one, and it was cool. You know, like things were that company was you know it was the Doug Doug Henry era. Like mm-hmm. during that time, they had the um, the twentieth year um, orange and yellow kit that those guys yeah. were wearing. Yeah, totally vividly remember all that stuff. Um, and the company was in a building in morgan hill that was down the street from where currently where um specialized is mm-hmm. and i remember it was like big kind of company thing that they were building a new building across town and and uh expanding right doing it's this way bigger building so i was der- there during that whole time we moved to the new building and the company was obviously growing and and um from the warranty department I went into actually was helping the warehouse manager so I came the assistant warehouse manager and then from there I went into sales so I was Mm -hmm. doing bike and moto sales for for a while um and then I think early 2000 it's like 2001 I think um Todd Hicks came and was like we want you to be the you know the shift rider sport guy Mm -hmm. would you be interested and I was like I was like, heck yeah, like, yeah. you know. And at that time, the brand, um, the Shift brand, was it didn't have its own staff. Like all the designers were Fox designers, and they would design the Shift stuff. And Todd would handle the, the athletes and stuff. So they were kind of expanding at that point. And so I came in as as the team manager, and and that was it was like Brock Hepler was our amateur kid, you know, <laughs> like during that time. So and and the that brand, was
0: the ads with the uh, Hepler and the limousine with all the chicks oh
1: yeah yeah (laughs) that was after he he became pro but through all the amateur stuff and and honestly my at that point um they we you know we all kind of sat down and we're like we should just kind of we didn't really have like a big pro presence at the time so Mm -hmm. we're like we should just expand the amateur team and i just i remember i would go to the amateur races and the next two years we just built like a pretty big amateur team so a lot of a lot of big name guys came through the program, you know. Seeing mm-hmm. um, Cirillo and Dalton Myers were two kids that were on Cobras at the time. Those guys we had: Tyler Bowers, Josh Hill, uh, Justin Barsha. A lot of guys came came through yeah. the program, so it was it was cool. Um, then we picked up Factory Connection during that era, and uh, yeah, been going. Is it crazy to, to think like
0: to look at where you are now? in the industry right and think that you start off in the warehouse and move it up right like there's there's a couple people in the industry that i know of that are like pretty high positions that started off like doing low level stuff like that right and my kids right i always said i'm not going to make you go to college they Mm -hmm. both were motivated enough and they finished college because you know i I dropped out of college in my second year to start at Cycle News because the job presented itself, right? But, like, people think, oh, you have to have this degree, this piece of paper, and everything to be successful. And, and I, for one, I don't really necessarily believe in that because uh, I, I know plenty of people with college degrees that aren't using them or putting them to good use, you know? Yep. But uh, motocross industry, I've always told people that, like, I get these random DMs once in a while, like, yeah, hey, man, I uh, how do I get in? I go, dude, motocross industry ain't the place to go to get rich. It's like <laughs> if you work in the motocross industry, it's because you love it. Oh, and yeah. you love being around the sport and the people and the atmosphere. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're a great, great uh, example of, uh, you know, perseverance or being in the right place at the right time. Yeah?
1: You know, it's funny I, I, that you mentioned that because I, for a long time, would always jokingly tell people I didn't go to college. I went to the University of Fox. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like how I came in, coming mm-hmm. from what I came in as a warehouse employee to like kind of moving my way up, you know. Um, and it's and it's true. And you know what you said about the college degree, it's it's it is true. And, and it's funny because I have a lot of friends that did go to college, or you know, guys I grew up, people I grew up with that they're electricians or carpenters, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, they've done them for many many years. And and every time I see them, they're just like, man, you're so lucky that you get to like. These, it always, I'm like, it really kind of grounds me because, I mean, we, we do, it's hard work, right? What we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really always take a step back and go, what we do is what people do for fun, right? Yeah. Like yeah. people have normal jobs and then they go and ride dirt bikes on the weekend, go ride mountain bikes on the weekend. So mm-hmm. I definitely consider myself lucky to not only have been at Fox during that time and like kind of come up through, mm-hmm. through there and, um, but just also just still continue to do something that I, I love to do and something that people consider fun.
0: So Yeah, it's funny you say University of Fox, right? Because we called Cycle News Clayton College because uh, the Clayton family owned Cycle News. So like, I came through Cycle News and so did many of the journalists in the sport right now. But it's funny because something that's been brought to my attention recently is uh, Kyle Cowling, do you know him? Mm-hmm. He's uh, started a podcast called The Failed Experiment and he's been interviewing all these like media type people right and dude a lot of people have come through trans motocross during my my uh tenure there like if you look at biggie at, at yoshimura mm-hmm. and then jordan powell who's really high level uh, uh videographer now uh, casey davis who works for the medium garth mylan it's just funny to think about all the People that are in the sport that you've touched or had contact with and uh, where they've gone to go, right? But uh, so, okay, uh, after the Fox, where, where did it go from Fox and Shift?
1: So I went to the Shift side kind of, you know, through that whole era of, like, factory connection. We had Hepler, um, you know, and during that time also the brand was – you you remember this but it we also were doing karting we made karting gear and I that. um so for a number of years we made driving suits rib vests gloves driving shoes mm-hmm. all like and so i went and built a karting team so i was doing all the moto stuff but then i went and was I that was hard
0: also, was that hard to be enthusiastic about something or were you interested in karting
1: well i wasn't until i started going to the okay. races yeah. and then i really Again, very lucky. I would go to like the karting nationals around the country, and um, it, I t- I vaguely, I mean, I vividly remember going to the moto races, right? And you go to the moto races, and you know, kids have affiliations if they're like a top level amateur, right? That oh, they ride for so and so. They have you know, or they kind of stay with them throughout their career. I would go go to the karting races, and there was nobody there, so I would literally go to these nationals, and I would sit at the podium for every class, and I would like top three guys. Come over here. Let's go talk and I do contract with them. It was like the easiest thing ever. Oh, right. Really? There was no, yeah, there was literally yeah. no competition.
0: It's like being at a trout farm.
1: Yeah, it was just like, and so I built this karting team, and it was it was so awesome that period of my life because I would go to the moto races and I would split it between moto and karting. Well, pro and amateur moto, and then karting. Mm-hmm. And the I would always loved going to the amateur races more because it's families and kids, right? It's just fun, you know. Yeah. Um, and the karting thing was very much like that so it was like all the families um but all these these kids that were like it's just like going you know to the amateur moto races kids on like the young kid class and then they would do like the the pro class and, and mm-hmm. you know the kids would be on 80cc you know go-karts kids that are like 10 years old going like 100 miles an hour yeah. in a go-kart like yeah. racing it was crazy so it, it was very fun i got in, pretty into that and and Go to a lot of races and drive. I never actually got my own cart, but I was like always at those events. And I had a a good relationship with a lot of track owners Mm because we did a lot of sponsorship through that. So they would always like just let me drive. So they had like shifters and and Rotex carts and stuff that they had like for rentals. Yeah. So I would go to these nationals and drive like legit cars. Did you ever race? Never. No, no, no. 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 (laughs) No. I had no business racing. And, uh, and, I, have you ever driven a shifter before?
0: Yeah, I have. It happens uh, fast.
1: It, well, the crazy thing is, like, you think you're going fast until you are driving with someone that can actually drive. Oh, yeah. And they pass you like you're standing still, and you're like, "Okay, I'm not that good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but it was it was super fun. So during that time, we did uh, I, you know moto and karting, the kart, and then we also were making um, road apparel, so like leathers and stuff. So we yeah. had a road race team. We were expanding the road category at that point into all the stuff, so just jackets and and shoes and mm-hmm. all the riding stuff. So I had um, I was going to the road races as well. I had um, my my top guy was Josh Heron, who was coming through the ranks at that point mm-hmm. in U.S. racing, and and so I had I would go to Supercross, I'd go to the karting races, and I'd go to like all the the road race stuff. Wow! So it was crazy. Obviously, I was not married at that point, so yeah. it was my was life good. was pretty much on the road from january to october you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it was cool i mean just being a part of all that stuff and got to meet so many people and not just the riders just everything all the media guys and all the track owners and promoters within all those different categories and um yeah it was awesome
0: is not it kind of crazy to think about like the fox and shift brand all the things you know started motocross right and motocross, and then mountain bike's easy transition because it's two wheels and dirt knobbies. But the things that they branched out into, like mm-hmm. Fox did surf, mm-hmm. right, and then the karting and the and the road race stuff and everything. But uh, at the heart of it, they always return back to the core, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, going back to that time when I came into Fox in '94, you know, at that time when you would see a Fox sticker on a truck or you somebody who was wearing a Fox t-shirt that it was it's like moto right you just knew everyone kind of knew that they were either road or they were an enthusiast right Mm -hmm. um so then you know as the brand kind of expanded into sportswear it's like all those core guys were like oh man those guys aren't you know they were selling in Paxone and all this stuff um but it it was it's it was crazy to see all of that you know kind of happening and t-shirts and hoodies and hats like all the sportswear stuff and i remember we used to, like, during that time when I was working in the warehouse, we used to, people used to buy a lot of stickers, like Fox stickers, because mm-hmm. it was a symbol, right? It was yeah. like, you know, you buy a couple t shirts and a couple of stickers, and it was just like a thing. It was cool, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, you rad. know,
0: it's funny is that you're talking about that. I think it's like 92, 91 or 92, the Fox catalog, there was like three t shirts in it. You know, what I mean, it was all gear and everything, and then there's like three T-shirts, like yep. the old school Foxhead, the new school Foxhead, and dude, I was. Do you remember Brian Price? Oh yeah. Do you remember? Okay, you were there at the time. Do you remember they made a T-shirt with me on it? It was a Fox <laughs> T-shirt, dude. It was it was this really horrible Fox T-shirt. It was uh, uh, Cycle News KX125 test, and I was wearing. Fox gear and I was on the cover of Cyclops. Oh, was
1: it the photo of you riding? It's a the photo t-shirt? of me
0: riding, but like there was planets behind me, like Saturn.
1: Oh, I <laughs> the, do remember that shirt. Yeah, it, I did not know it was you.
0: It was the orbit, MX yeah. orbit shirt. Oh yeah. That was me on that shirt. But it's funny because it was like a Fox corporate head, a Fox old school head, and Don <laughs> and, and you <laughs> racing pla- racing past Saturn and Uranus.
1: <laughs> that's uh that's cool. Yeah, you're right. And I I totally remember that the catalogue just having A handful of sportswear pieces and Mm -hmm. and then you know not shortly after that but later having its own separate division you know and then um but you know when I came on to shift and we started building the shift kind of staff um we had moved off-site from the Fox office to a different building Mm -hmm. and then later on we had actually moved back into the Fox building and then shortly after that is I think it was 2009 or 2010 um was when they really started expanding the Southern California office. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember my boss at the time, he hits, calls me in his office and he's like, hey, you know, you still got a job, but your job is going to be moving to Southern California. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, we'll move, you know, we'll, we'll move you down there. If not, you can stay here and we'll find you something else. Yeah. And I remember that day I went home and I told my wife, my, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I was like, I gotta move to SoCal. And she's like, Well what'd they say? And then and I told her and she was like, just get another job And I was like, No no no, you don't understand. <laughs> I I kind of saw that things had started to move down there, so mm-hmm. I was like, If I don't move down there, then it's just I, I probably won't, you know, in three years, like, who knows? Yeah. And so I moved to SoCal and sure enough, three years later I think they closed the the Morgan Hill office. Mhm. Um so very lucky that I, that I took that. And, and it was, for me, it was a challenge because I was kind of in a comfort zone. I, I, in Morgan Hill, right? Like I knew the, everyone in our brand, everything. And, and like the office in, in Orange County was like new people. They worked for Fox, but it was like not like the Morgan Hill office, right? Yeah. So I just thought it was a challenge and, and um, went down at the time. Jim Enfuso was the marketing director. And, um, learned a lot from him and, and pretty much everyone down there at the time, you know, it was like, that was when the sportswear division was really big and, and footwear and eyewear were kind of coming mm-hmm. in and, and getting bigger and bigger. So um, so it was cool. It was, it was it was a different, like, it was different for me coming from the Morgan Hill office to go down there, but it was cool. I mean, I, it wasn't really also like I just knew so many people in Southern California, so it wasn't like really hard, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, did it go from uh, Fox and Shift to Bell?
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, in 2014, I think, um, I got hit up by Chris Sackett at Bell. Mm-hmm. And he, I knew him just throughout the years, you know, and um, he just was like, hey, at the time is when Flex was in development. Yeah. So, he was like, we got this new thing, it's coming in, it's going to be huge, you know, and um, I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll look at it and see, and, and at that time, Fox was going through changes too, it was like right before they sold, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I wasn't really quite sure, but I was like, kind of like, you know, everyone was kind of iffy, you know, at that time, and, and so I was like, not just not knowing what was going to happen, and um, this out of the blue came in, and, and I was like, okay, well, I'll take a look at it, and then I went and checked it out, and I was like, it's, it's, Pretty cool, you know, like yeah. what they were doing. So if anything, to get me to leave Fox, because I was there for, at that point, 20 years, wow. um, I was like, this would be the thing, right? It, would, it wouldn't just be like, oh, just anything that came about. It was like something that was about to enter the market that was a really legit technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And then I was able to move back to Northern California. Um, and I had just actually gotten married the year or two years prior so both me and my wife's family are from you know the okay. san jose area bay area and, and uh so i moved back and and then we just started working on or finished kind of flex and then brought that to market yeah so you
0: know what i thought was kind of weird is bell was big on that uh the custom moto nine mm-hmm. like uh, bell flew me up there and i had my head scanned with that mm-hmm. you
1: know, the, the 3d scanner the
0: 3d scanner and uh I forgot, was it you or Sackett that got me the helmet? Like, because the first one that came, uh, like I wore a medium nine, but the first one that sent down was based in a large shell because mm-hmm. they said like their tolerances weren't good enough mm-hmm. or something and the helmet was like this big oh, right? yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I need a medium. So they resent another one. But the coolest thing about that helmet, or the craziest thing about it was like, you, know, you put any helmet on it, and it's like tight and then it goes on. Mm-hmm. was because it was perfectly for your head it just was like fits you, right on you could yeah. put it on like the people and in, in chips you know yeah. like whoosh, oh, yeah. pull it off you know the
1: the custom fit thing was it was it was a great idea it was killer um but i just think the timing was off because we just launched flex yeah. you know yeah. and the flex had an adaptive fit you know because it was all the different layers and how it was um produced or uh, manufactured but and the different layers of foam and stuff mm-hmm. um and i think the custom fit one like, kind of was more of a street thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: you know, it's funny, thinking about the custom fit Moto 9s, is one time I was at, uh, I was at Robbie Madison's place to shoot photos or video or something, and he's all, hey, Don, first, let's let let's go for a rip in my Razor. And he had, I think it was a Razor, it was the four-seater uh, UTV, and uh, I was like, man i don't know i just kept thinking about like when travis pastrana crashed all that this, corvette or something <laughs> all with the his horror stories yeah i'm like dude Matt it was crazy and he's all i'm all give me a helmet i ain't going this with no helmet and he gave me some helmet and i put it on and it hurt so bad it was so uncomfortable i couldn't even keep it on my head i'm like what's wrong with this helmet dude he goes oh oh that's my custom belt
1: We made it made a few of those for him
0: but uh <laughs> but yeah so then the you know the flex came out and yep. suddenly custom was silent and everything but
1: uh yeah it was t- just a I think a timing thing you know mm-hmm. and, and like i said in moto i think it was more of a street kind of category thing um but they're both really really cool technologies and and you know cool to be a part of for sure yeah but the flex really kind of i think was the bigger piece of the pie you know and mm-hmm. and um the technology was was solid you know yeah
0: so uh tracing your steps to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> From Bell, you went to Stasic?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did a short short time at Stasic uh-huh. and and um and then just, you know, COVID hit and it was like all these things changed and yeah. and you know, I was fortunate because my wife works in high tech, so I I was like kinda looking around and and with COVID everything was so uncertain and mm-hmm. people were getting laid off and all this stuff. And so I was actually daddy daycare for for a couple of years just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out and, and my son was getting older at that point he just turned eight this last week so he was like five you know And I was spending a lot of time with him which was really awesome yeah that's... Um, especially coming from my career of just traveling non-stop you know um, to be home was was cool and and so I was kind of did the daddy daycare thing for a while rode a lot of mountain bikes um, during that time mm-hmm. yeah, I was living in the Bay Area so I was riding. Santa Cruz was like my spot so i we'll would be there pretty much every day you know mm-hmm. digging trails and doing stuff so yeah, yeah and then, I, th-
0: I think that I think that kids that are largely raised by their parents and not sitters or daycare people they they turn out better I mean I don't know that's I I believed in that strongly you know I, I kept my wife home for 18 years well you know, so. what I
1: did was I took advantage of it and yeah and I was like Dude, he, you know, he had every stasic, every size and stuff. So he just, we just rode, burned batteries like every day with him, which was <laughs> killer. He loves to ride. And, and uh, you know, we would literally ride his stasic to baseball practice. Mm-hmm. I'd put a backpack on with his stuff and I'd take an extra battery and we'd ride two miles to where his, you know, baseball practice was. Yeah. And he'd do baseball practice and then we'd just, <clears> literally he would show up, like all the kids would be like getting out of their cars with their baseball stuff on. And he'd roll up on his stasic. And I'd be carrying his backpack, and he would, like, take his helmet off, put his glove on, his baseball hat, and he'd go out and practice. And then yeah. at the end of practice, put his helmet on, goggles, and go, and all the kids would be like, oh, man, Chase, like, what are you, you know? <laughs> And he just, like, he was, he was, it was cool. Like, he, yeah. he dug it. And But he, he would ride a lot. He rode bicycles a lot. And uh, during that time, you know, he was on a balance bike pretty early and, and kind of got all the balance stuff down. So getting to a Stasic for him was cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I he learned how to throw really young. I just kind of would you know and kind of get him going and he loves he can throw a football and a baseball so now that he's older you know as much as i would like him to ride moto Mm -hmm. my wife is like no yeah put the foot (laughs) down she's like no she's you know we've all been through the race series and 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 all the ups and downs and stuff Mm -hmm. so she's seen all that so it's for her she's like i would rather not you know but it is pretty funny because i asked him just recently probably like within the last 6 months i was like what do you want to do man like do you want to play baseball he's really good at baseball and football and uh, he's like i think i want to ride motorcycles <laughs> and i was like uh oh don't tell mom you know don't, don't tell mom um, but i was at this point i'm like dude whatever you want to do if you yeah. want to can do underwater basket weaving i'm all in yeah. you know, like so it's cool definitely a cool time in, in life with the it's funny cuz a lot of all the guys i grew up with they all got kids that are like 25. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he just turned eight. Mm-hmm. So I started really, really late, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would have had the life that I've had traveling Yeah, with kids, you know, that early. So I'll take it.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah I, you know, what's funny is like right now he's probably not thinking about it and he won't for several years, but when he grows up, he's going to remember those years when you're home with him. During COVID and just have so many good memories.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It's like,
0: yeah. I mean, there is a lot of downsides to the whole COVID baloney, but uh, there's some upsides in there. Yeah. Here and there.
1: I mean, it's it's weird because, you know, during that time, I, I didn't have a job. And now thinking back, I, like, that ha- just having a job in our industry during that time, because it was so much change, like, just having a job had to be stressful because you didn't know what was, yeah. you know, and I was like, just riding bikes every day. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, you landed at Liat, uh, how long ago now?
1: So um, in December, early December, or maybe it was late November, um, I actually connected with Todd Repture, who runs a U.S. business for Liat. Mm -hmm. I worked with him at Fox years ago, um, and I just saw just randomly that they were posting, they had posted a job for um, U.S. Marketing Manager, and I was like, oh, just hit him up out of the blue. I was like, dude, what's what's going on? Are mm-hmm. you hiring someone? Like what, you know, and, and uh, he hit me right back and was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at this meeting, but let me, let's get back, you know, a couple weeks or whatever. So he got back to me and, um, and he just kind of let me know what was up. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. I'd love to help. And um, the position was bike and moto. So of course, when I came on, to, I, I've always been a mountain biker and follow the, the bike, you know, kind of race scene and just the industry in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back when I was in sales, I was doing bike and moto sales. So I'd go to all the trade shows. I would go to some races and stuff before I started traveling for supercross. Um, so when I came onto bell after I was only doing power sports, but then they offered me mountain or bike as well. Mm-hmm. So when I was at bell, I was doing moto and mountain bike. And so when, when this thing came up, I was like, yeah, I, I, I can do both, you know? And so he's like, perfect. And, and it just happened real quick. And, and, uh, Next thing you know, I'm on a, I accepted the job on a Wednesday. And on Saturday morning, I boarded a plane to go to South Africa. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> went right right to uh, a marketing meeting, which was, it was, I'm actually really glad I did it. And, and Todd told me when we were talking about it, he's like, if you take this job, like, you got to go to South Africa, like, with me this weekend. And I was yeah. like, uh, <laughs> and I remember Wednesday night, I went to my wife and I was like, I got to go to South Africa on Saturday, you know? Yeah. And she was like, what? (laughs) And so it, I mean, I'm really glad I did because the meeting was like all the, all the marketing people and like the CEO and like all the upper, you know, leadership and, um, just coming into the job new, it was good to meet all of them and, and I was there for a week. So it was like, we had like a really good dynamic and stuff and, um, it made my, made the first month pretty much like. I wasn't blindly emailing people like you know it was I got to go meet them the first week, so it was kind of cool but um but yeah, I mean the opportunity when I was talking to Todd and like looking at the brand and stuff and and I knew the brand you know everyone knows the brand is you know with a neck brace, you know yeah. like we were all there in the in the pits when the neck brace hit the market and and everybody was wearing it um at that time, and seeing where the brand came from then to now um I looked I was like. It's a great opportunity, right? Because I know what they make, the product line that they make, which I did not know when I first went. I knew they made product. Mm-hmm. But when I went, I was like, Man, they make a lot of a lot of product yeah, that I didn't yeah. really even know about. Especially being in the industry for so long, I was like, Okay. I looked at it like an opportunity. I was like, Okay, cool, like this is a this is a good opportunity to me help introduce the brand to the US, you know, moto and bike, mm-hmm. you know, kind of segment. So yeah, it's killer that we make good product and, and especially coming from a gear company, you know, like in a helmet company, right? Like yeah. seeing the stuff that they have, like it's good. The, pro- the material is good. The the technologies are good. The the fit is good. Um, so that's kind of my job now is to like kind of get that into the U.S. market where people still kind of know that we make stuff, but they most people has never seen it. And and it's funny because like when I talk to you guys, right, and, and especially like other media whether it be moto or mountain bike and i send them product and they're just like man this stuff is good yeah. like, the gloves are good and the chest protectors like all the stuff they're just like yeah and it's to me i'm like okay we got a lot of work to do but it's also i'm it's it makes my job easier when the product is good yeah you know?
0: so um i guess uh i i consider myself fortunate fortunate to have met dr chris leet mm-hmm. like more on more than one occasion and uh it's just funny to think that this company that burst onto the scene and changed motocross for a decade or so, everyone was wearing neck braces. How many companies spawned in the wake of Liet, the Liat brace? Um, how, however you want to say up the trends change or whatnot. But Liat has expanded. Uh, I think, what did they make first besides braces? Chest protectors? Protection. And they yep. made the chest protectors and then the knee braces and stuff yep. and then they switched into gear and everything right um in talking with i'm sure you you know Chris Leet and you spent time with him in South Africa and stuff but like uh they take a different approach at creating product right they try to make it safer than an existing product
1: yeah so the big part of the company obviously Chris Leet um he was a surgeon right so mm. he is very he's just a very smart person and so they're kind of, even the very first product, like there was, it was more of a scientific approach, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, our, the company's tagline is science of thrill. And the reason that is, is because all the products do have more of a scientific approach where they do testing and all of this stuff to like really like launch a product, mm-hmm. right? As far as like more of a scientific approach. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing that really sets the brand apart that, that people don't know about. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. And and think about if the company never would have done the expansion of product and have only stayed with a neck brace. Like Yeah, it might be gone by now. Yeah. So yeah. I mean it's it's to me I was like very impressed by by yeah. the not only how the product expanded, but also how quickly it expanded. So they didn't just go and oh, we're gonna make gear, like they have a product the, the product team in South Africa is it's a pretty big product team. Mm -hmm. And all those guys are, they're great guys and great people, but they're very smart. And so they have like their own, you know, test lab and and all of that stuff in in a product development team. Um, Which is another reason, you know, when I started looking at the brand, I was asking all these questions like, what's the product team? Like, how is it structured? Like those type of things. Mm -hmm. So they have a great structure. They have a great team. um, And the product is is really good. So it really kind of shows, you know their approach
0: you know when uh when we had started making other products i think there's uh, a gel you guys utilize in some things and i just remember the woman came and was like look at this gel it's soft but you can hit it and it disperses the impact and she brought a hammer and she was hitting this gel and then she put it on top of her hand and it was hitting her hand i was just like holy crap <laughs> i i mean is that gel is wasn't it called like armor gel or something or
1: Uh, we call it 3df
0: okay but there's that and then there's also there's like a technology like in a foam right and it like uh who's the mountain bike knee pad bill riddell works for uh who does bill riddell used to work at cannondale and then now he's at uh
1: oh uh g-form g-form yeah
0: yeah but like that stuff that gets harder when you hit Mm -hmm. it but soft yeah Like the first time I saw that kind of thing was with the the knee pad that they make. And they had a demo at Sea Otter where they were like dropping a bowling ball on M&Ms. But then they put that pad on it and saved it. But there's a lot of that kind of technology and some of the protection you guys make, right? Like all the chest protectors come with that beneath the hard plastic, right? And you could take it out.
1: Yeah, we make well a bunch of different versions. I think we have like 12 chest protectors. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it now is in the soft protection so like the you know, we make all the um, the jackets and stuff you know so a lot of it has that utilized into it um, but the heart protection some of them have just different layers of, of padding in it mm-hmm. um, to make the different certification levels and stuff yeah so some of them do some of them don't it depends on the certification
0: so Liat now has expanded from a neck brace company to you have a full line of everything like if you're riding an off-road motorcycle, you could be every single piece on your tail. To That's right. No matter how much equipment you want to wear. Or, yep, we make. And off-roaders too, because they have off-road gear. We
1: make hydration, protection, apparel. Um, we make knee braces, which mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't know about as well. I know they, yeah. they entered the market a while ago with knee braces. But they entered the ex- market with
0: that one-sided knee yeah, brace. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's. Uh, you guys have two or three now, right? Now we
1: have X-Frame, X X-Frame, uh, X-frame Hybrid. Mm-hmm. We have a few options. Um, the X-Frame Hybrid is actually a really cool product because it doesn't have a floating knee cap on it. it has on a, the sleeve, It has right? a slip-on pad, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: you know who's a big fan of that? I gave a set to Scrub Daddy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he puts some on his little chicken That's legs. Really nice, I got his back. If he
1: needs me, yeah. let me know.
0: But... Uh, Um, okay. So then when did the mountain biking stuff start? Because, uh, you know, we've been up here at Whistler, we rode today for one day, but in the past too, like in the past years I've been up is like the saturation of Lièt in mountain biking is great. Yeah. Like you see a lot of people wearing the gear Mm -hmm. and the helmets. Well, the
1: protection obviously crosses over, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially we talk about chest protectors, but the bike line, I think it's been around maybe six or seven years, something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm um and you know I, I think the brand perception level wise to the consumer it is bigger on the bike side
0: yeah
1: um we've been involved with a lot of uh you know top riders and stuff over the years and but the the apparel is is solid like really good yeah. like you know i i don't ride m- moto much these days i just mainly ride mountain bikes and and you know ridden a lot of a lot of mountain bike apparel and i was i was pretty impressed by when i've got all the stuff we make crazy you know line of, of outerwear too so all, all the riding jackets and stuff mm-hmm. um there's some cool technologies in it so yeah it's it's a pretty big line i mean i think that first trip i went to south africa i remember i was sitting there and and uh they were talking about all these products and, and the product guy was like oh let me send you the um the catalog and he sent Dude, me so the fair. digital version of the catalog. And I was like, oh, so I was sitting in the meeting. And I like, opened my laptop and I pulled it up and I was like scrolling and I was like, what the heck? And I looked and it was 400 pages. Oh, man. I mean, it was a digital Four. version of a catalog. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, and I was like, oh, my God. And then he's like, oh, I sent you the bike one. And he sent me the bike one and it was the same. It was like almost the same size. Yeah. Actually, I think the, mo- the bike one was bigger than the moto one. Wow. And I was like scrolling through. I mean, you name it. Like on the moto side, boots, helmets, protection, apparel, goggles. Hydration, outerwear, all the enduro stuff, like everything within all those categories of so mm-hmm. vented gear, knee brace, socks, whatever it may be, right? And then you go on the bike side, same thing. Yeah. Like, and and when I say a product, it's not just a boot; it's a range of boots, right? And then mm-hmm. on the on the bike side, same thing. It's not just just a shoe; it's a range of shoes, and then a range of clip shoes and flat shoes. Yeah. So there's it's a very broad product line, and then all the colorways within that, you know. So we have a lot of skis, we have a lot of product, and, and again, it's all it's all good. And, and on the bike side, I think the the consumer perception is bigger because um, they, in, in Moda, before I started making gear, like people just knew the protection. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the perception of the consumer is, is a protection brand, right? But on the bike side, they had more gear earlier. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's a little bit, Higher consumer perception on the on the bike side.
0: Yeah. How is uh, the sales percentages
1: between Say, moto and bike? Yeah. Um, in the in the U.S., uh, I think we sell more bike stuff.
0: Bicycle yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would agree. I I mean I see it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I was at a Snow Summit a couple of weeks ago, and I was in line behind this guy, and he was wearing a Liat brace with a half shell helmet, and I'm like. Bro, that's not how it he's wearing works. a neck brace. Is he's like wearing a neck shell? brace, but he's wearing a half shell trail <laughs> helmet. And I'm like, dude, that that's not how that works. That won't do anything. He's like, no, dude, it's safe. keep my neck from breaking. I'm all, <laughs> oh my god, no, dude, it doesn't he, work that way. You no need a full it. face helmet to. Oh my god, come to I've never seen that. Brace. That's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. but
1: you know, at bike parks, you see everything. You oh know, yeah, we we just saw. We were uh, me and Parker were, I don't know, we were walking. Where we were I, we were on the trail and we saw this kid on a downhill bike with his sweatshirt tied around his uh, handlebars, mm-hmm. and he was wearing jeans with pads over them on the outside, and just a t-shirt and like a full face, and, and we're like riding, and uh, all of a sudden Parker's like, hey, this guy, this guy's coming up on us, and we're so sort of like get out of the way, and the guy like pulls off, and he's like, and he's like, oh, you know, I want to ride with you guys, or whatever, and we're like, oh, okay, cool, and he was like staying with us. And really? we're like, what the heck? It was just, you know, some, like, looked yeah. like a squid, and he was, he was ripping. He was on a rental bike, and, uh-huh. you know, and, and so, and we walked down into Summit Bike Shop just to go check it out, and got, saw a guy, the typical guy, right? He was wearing, like, fox pants, Troy Lee jersey, pod, chest protector, yeah. and just, like, everything, mismatch, you know, all this stuff, mm-hmm. and just, it was pretty funny.
0: You know, I've seen a lot of up here, the, uh, the Instagram custom Hawaiian shirts with your dog space on it oh really yeah the guys riding those Hawaiian shirts Instagram those <laughs> ads will get you dude yeah um, so uh, what what's next for Liette I, I, I have a little insight but how long will we see well, some new stuff so
1: um, we got so on the bike side specifically we got some stuff that you will see tomorrow we're here to do a product launch and now beyond um, that uh, cate- category wise oh for moto and bike No, oh, for bike oh can't talk about that right now yeah okay <laughs>
0: That's exciting. We got, some, exciting, stuff though. We got I mean, some stuff I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah.
1: Now we we got some really cool stuff in the works. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's again, you know, when when the brand enters a category, like there's so much stuff behind it, right? You can't just go, oh, we're gonna make. If you don't make, you know, a knee brace, you can't just be like, oh, we're just gonna make a knee brace. Like you have to hire a product person mm-hmm. to like start the process of making a knee brace and develop it. So. All of those products that we have, we have a product team behind each of those. Um, so I'm here this week to do uh, the new helmet and a new goggle on the bike side mm-hmm. that we'll launch later in the year with the new product line. Um, and our uh, helmet and goggle guy actually just got here today. And, and you know he's got a pretty broad, like a bunch of resources behind him. So it's, it's always cool. I, I love working with the product team.
0: How uh, how involved is Chris Liette still in the development of products?
1: Um, he's around. He has a lot of say. Actually, you know, he's he founded the company and he's mm-hmm. around. Um, he meets very regularly with the South Africa team. Um, I don't have much access to him personally, just unless I go to South Africa or mm-hmm. you know we have. But he's very high level, just kind of vision, visionary kind of um, guy. He, he's. He's not necessarily like day to day in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a you know big leadership team, and, and they run the business. And but he's he's still very involved with a lot of the. Is upper...
0: Liat still uh, like? Is he the owner? He owns the company, or is it?
1: Um, company's public.
0: Oh, it's public. Yeah, okay. yeah. So. so uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that this guy is just like ah. Oh, Got to protect guys' necks, and made this brace, and to think about what the brand has become now, and, and the widespread reach it has around the world. Yeah, um, super cool.
1: We I had to send you a link to. Have you seen the the video, with the interview with him?
0: No, I don't think so. I'll
1: send you a link so you can you can share it. But it's it's actually really really cool video that it's kind of almost like a documentary of and just him talking about the birth of the product and how he went through the development of it and the reason why Mm -hmm. and just how like i mean i mean we're talking about a surgeon like a guy that is you know most surgeons i know are pretty well off right and and they're enthusiasts they ride bikes or do whatever but for him to be a surgeon and to go and create this company and this product is is pretty awesome like to hear the story and to like you know Because we all, again, we we saw what happened when we were in the pits and it just all of a sudden everybody had it on and and it was like a big thing in the industry, right? And and to see now knowing the story and to hear him talk about it in this video, it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, the back, the other side of it and the the years of the development of the neck brace Mm -hmm. and um, it was just him and his wife just kind of doing it like on the side. Yeah. Yeah. and then the David Bailey thing happened, and he basically said, "If you ride motocross, you should be wearing this neck brace." Yeah. You know, yeah, um, which was very cool, but also crazy in the sense that he had nothing to do with. Like, Leah didn't pay him to say that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the story in the video goes: he, you know, they had, they didn't know any they did not know anything about the video, and the video came out, and the next morning they woke up and they thought that the system was broken because there was so, so many, many orders. orders they thought it was a mistake. Yeah, And uh, so it's cool. I'll send you link to the video. You should definitely check it out.
0: Yeah. Hey, has it ever been kicked around? So like like in Moto, right? The perception of the name Liat, the first thing you think of is neck brace, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the Moto side, have you guys ever played around of maybe changing the name or rebranding yourself? Because in in bicycling, Liat, people just think, oh, cool gear and everything, right? Yeah. But uh, it's it's so associated with the neck brace and Marvin Muscans' light-up neck brace at <laughs> opening ceremonies and stuff. I mean, do you think maybe if it was LB Racing or something? It no, might... but I
1: mean, that's that's the brand. The brand yeah. is the brand is Liat. I mean, that's what it is. It started as a neck brace, and, and there's no real hiding that, right? And, and you know, our job as, as employees, and especially, like, my job here in the U.S. in Moto, is to really kind of, like, we got the stuff. Like, yeah. Let's let's do it. So, yeah. that's one of the main reasons I came too, is because I I saw the opportunity, and and it, and it's not I'm not talking about like oh let's make gear it's three year development no we, we have gear on the market and mm-hmm. it's good mm-hmm. so um, so it's cool I mean I, I love you know my job throughout the years I've I've been very lucky because I've been involved with you know the product team the the all of the development of product you know obviously with pro riders and stuff and and um the graphics like everything like all all the aspects of it right and and learned at a company that was like the best in the industry pretty much so so I I enjoy doing that and now I'm back doing it here which is cool you know so um like I just went to a product meeting a few months ago and we were talking about all the you know upcoming stuff graphics and stuff for 25 Mm -hmm. and and it was it was cool. Like, I love I love doing that stuff. It was cool kind of getting back involved in it because it's been a couple of years.
0: Yeah. So, you know, like, a company will make everything. Mm-hmm. You know, a helmet, goggles, jersey, all the way down to boots and socks, right? Is it a, a requirement of sponsoring a rider that they're head to toe? Like, because if you think about, it, like, Fox makes everything now, right? But like all the Pro Circuit guys are in Bell helmets or... You know, yeah. Alpine stars mix everything, but, like, just the star guys are just wearing A-stars, helmet, boots. I mean, could diversifying help saturate the market or raise awareness, do you think?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's something that, you know, if we can get a guy head to toe, absolutely. Yeah. But the reality is that might be a little harder to do mm-hmm. with where our brand's at right now. So, I mean... My thinking is absolutely not. I mean, we—if I can get guy in just boots, you know, you got
0: fourth place in best whip. Yeah. Patrick Evans, yeah. do you guys do you give him boots?
1: I do. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I've known I've known Patrick since since he was a kid, and and you know his dad David, mm-hmm. um, known for a long time through the JGR days, and even you know he's James's agent back in the day. So um, I just connected with him, and I saw all the stuff he was doing, and loved what he was doing. Mm-hmm could rips you know um so yeah it was it was really awesome to see that
0: cool well uh man it's been fun tracing back the the steps of your career and talking about the uh, the current status of leah and, and where it's going anything you want to throw in or we missed well how did you get the new name chucha cabra
1: <laughs> oh man that's uh
0: and that's different from blake baggett's Chupacabra, right? yes
1: yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, you know, Sean asked this, right? So, um, good friend of mine, Sean Estes, He was with bell actually years ago, um, before I came. Um, he's now at Fox shocks mm-hmm. in, on the bike side, but he, uh, we were traveling a lot back in the day when he was doing supercross and, and, just, we were, I think it was Atlanta supercross, uh, 2007 or something. And just gave me the nickname. I mean the nickname that you, he started calling me chooch and chooch is like kind of derogatory italian thing like people like oh it's like like a kook or whatever you uh-huh, know uh-huh. and so he just started calling it and then like everyone's just started calling me it, and i was like fuck okay you know but whatever i don't care it's it's funny yeah. and then and the chuchacabra thing came about from the Chooch nickname to like the chupacabra yeah thing, so a little twist on it
0: okay okay yeah and ride or die <laughs> ride or die crew
1: Yeah, so that came about, um, I was working at Fox at the time, and um, I think it was, I don't remember what year it was, but it was whatever year the, uh, it was that like Mayan prediction that the world was going to end. Yeah. Remember, it was, whatever it was, it was like nothing, but it was like this thing, right, that everyone was kind of talking about. And that day, I remember we were at work, and it was, I don't know, five or six of us, um, and we were like, well, if the world's going to end, we're going to go ride. Yeah. Right? So we left work early that day and went for a ride and, and rode in Laguna. And, and it was, like, Mikey Rangel, myself, Victor Sokolo, like, just a couple of, like, employees and some friends of ours. And I did an Instagram post and it just ride or die, right? Like, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then – um one of the guys that was with us, he's a, he was a graphic designer. So he like made a logo uh-huh. and he was like, ride or die crew, you know? And, <laughs> and so they just kind of started like just funny. Yeah. And and honestly, like we, when I was living in, in, in SoCal and we were riding Laguna and all that stuff down there a lot, um, he made a logo and then we just made stickers and like, it was just us kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like all these people were like, dude, let me have one of those. Like we started giving them people we know and, yeah. and, and it's just kind of, nothing big but it just it was kind of a cool thing you know yeah. like people dug it and and um another good friend of mine ryan howard our dog on the mm-hmm. on, he's a mountain bike rider um he him and his buddy started shortly after that started ride or die mm-hmm. right and so when I, when that happened i was like man my brand will never make it yeah i don't get i don't got the pull <laughs> your logo's cool, yeah yeah though. yeah so we just i just still do it here and there like i, I just made some merch and kind of Sold some stuff online, which we don't do anymore, but I just, you know, now I just do stickers and give them to people I know, and and it's funny because, you know, going to all the bike stuff and, like, all the contacts and that I have with media and athletes and just all throughout the industry, it's like, people know it from meeting me, Mm -hmm. so, like, Mm -hmm. when they see people that have a sticker or something on, they're like, oh, yeah, you know Rob. They're like, what? Like, it's it's cool, like, to hear those stories of people that I give stuff to, so... Yeah, but it'll never make it (laughs) too busy these days.
0: Right on. Well, uh, good luck here up at uh, Crankworks. Hope the show is uh, successful for you. Looking forward to trying out the new helmet tomorrow. And, uh, guys, thanks for checking out the midweek podcast presented by Yoshimura. We'll talk to you next time.